Welcome to The Heightening, a place for those who are answering the call of God to fulfill God's purpose in their lives. We are women who are being elevated to a level of intentionality and empowerment to lead the life we were created to live. Please welcome our host, Yolanda Caldwell. Ladies of the Heightening, welcome to this episode. I am excited to have joining me today, Dr. Sharon M. Biggs. She is a career educator who has served as the New Jersey Department Education Statewide Leadership Coach, District Executive Director, Principal Coach, Assistant Superintendent, Principal, Assistant Principal, and Classroom Teacher in New Jersey, and New York City since 1986. She has provided systems improvement leadership for over 100 educational teams in urban, suburban, and rural suburban settings across diverse social, economic, and cultural demographics. She continues to provide educational leadership training, mentoring, coaching, and consulting for individuals and teams. Ladies of the Heightening, please join me in welcoming Dr. Sharon Biggs, who we also know as Dr. Shea, to our show today. Thank you so much for that introduction, Yolanda. It is really my honor and pleasure to be here. And um, I just feel so blessed to be able to share some nuggets in the next few minutes with you and the other ladies, and I'm excited. Yes, this is going to be a great conversation. So as I mentioned to you before, Dr. Shea has done amazing things in the educational sphere. She has worked with educational institutions. She has worked with individuals. She has worked with teams. And right now with COVID-19, we know how important education is. We've seen what happens when our educational institutions are not prepared. But she's retired. She's Mm -hmm. done that work. But you've had that long career. How are you living out your commitment to education in retirement? That's a great question. And the funny thing is, I feel like I'm semi-retired. And that's what I tell people because, you know, um, the work of a dedicated educational leader never ends. And so even though I'm officially retired from public service, I'm still in the mix. And what I do is I continue to provide training and development um, and I coach parents, I coach parent groups, and I help them understand how to navigate the educational system. Because a lot of times, and we've seen this, especially during COVID-19, there was a tremendous disconnect between the parents' understanding of what needed to be done and the educator's understanding of what needed to be done to meet the needs of kids in remote learning situations. It was new. It was something that we had never experienced before. So I coach parents and how do you get through navigating the edges speak that we educators sometimes are guilty of doing and we don't try to, we really don't, but it is our training. But parents, and I am a parent, so I know we have to understand, we gotta know what questions need to be asked of educators so that we can get the best for our kids. That's what we want. We want the best for our children. I thank you so much for sharing that. I don't, 
sometimes when you're a parent, there's a joke about, you know, these kids should come with a handbook. Like somebody should teach right. us what to do. Right. And once students or our children get into schools, a lot of parents really look to the teacher yes. to, to tell them what to do. Right. And they don't realize that they have a responsibility as a parent um, to participate in different ways, depending on your child and depending on the grade that they're in. So the fact that you're coaching parents is amazing. Yeah, yeah, because parents sometimes, you know, they don't know what to ask because it could have been their experiences in school when they were growing up. And maybe they have an uncomfortable um, approach to dealing with educators. So what I say to them is you can't go into a school environment yelling and complaining. You've got to know how to deliver the right questions because the bottom line is, you want what's best for your child and you're entrusting your children to these individuals during the day, during the school day. So you got to know what they're sharing with your children. So when your kids are home with you, you can ask your kids the right questions about what they've been learning. And you can also ask those educators about what has my child been learning when they've been in your care. They sometimes they just don't know. Yeah. Um, one here at the heightening, we talk about living an authentic, intentional and empowered life. And what you're talking about is intentionality. How do you prepare yourself to be able to ask? How do you go about your business of a parent intentionally to help your child succeed in education? Mm, you have to put yourself in a vulnerable position mm. and to. Um, admit that you don't know sometimes what you think you know, and that the educators, the experts, maybe have a little more knowledge about the learning process and the teaching process and where your child is and where your child needs to be. So as a parent, as parents, we've got to be able to say, okay, that's not my forte. I need to kind of include these educators, which means I need to know what questions to ask them. I need to know how to talk to them. And I need to maybe learn some of this edge-speak that they use all the time. So I can talk their language. I can speak their language. So intentionally do some research. Um, read up, learn as much as you can, get involved in educational forums with other parents, but also with educators so you can hear the language. And you, you then start to know, oh, I, maybe I need to be asking about assessments. Maybe I need to be asking about instructional practices. Maybe I need to be asking about how a child at five years old learns versus a child at 15 years old there's a difference. Listen, I think that level of intentionality that you're sharing not only applies when they're in high school, but if you want your child to complete college in a timely fashion yes. and complete their degree, it's not just about making sure that you have the finances, right. but that you spend some time developing a relationship with your child so that when they're in college, they're willing to share with you their schedule, their graduation plan, yes. so that you're not surprised that maybe they're not finishing in four years or, you're, you know, when they're <laughs> choosing classes, you know, that they're choosing classes that will allow them to complete their major on time. 
Absolutely. You know, and I, I coach parents to do one thing I did, um, and it sounds may, maybe a little bit over the top, but it worked. So when my youngest was in uh, middle school, I said, okay, we need to develop an Excel spreadsheet on the classes that you will need to take in order to successfully complete high school. And so we did that and we knew all the classes, we knew exactly what needed to be done, how many credits, et cetera. And we would check off as the years went on, all four years of high school. Okay, we did that, did that. And by the time we got to graduation, everything was gravy. It was just a beautiful thing. And so that same thing applies for college. Because like I said at the beginning, you know, the, the life of a committed educational leader never ends, even though you're retired. The life of us as parents never ends either. So the same things we did when they were babies, we've got to continue to do when they're teens and young adults. You know, Dr. Shea, you just said something that sparked a thought for me, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. A lot of times we as women, particularly the women who listen to the heightening, we they call themselves leaders. We are leaders. You know, we lead in the community. We lead in business. We are business owners. You know, we are owning the stage in so many various aspects of our lives. We even call ourselves leaders in our family. and but we we have a different meaning when we call ourselves leaders in our yeah. family. Yeah. And that that meaning generally relates to um I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an authoritarian leadership mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. Um but what you just talked about and what it sparked for me is this thought of how do we show up as leaders in our family? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. We love ourselves. We love ourselves as leaders. And we realize that as leaders, whatever your age and station in life is, we have the potential and the capacity to have influence and motivate people to do good deeds and to yeah. reach their goals. I believe deeply it is self-love that we have to as especially as women leaders, because oftentimes we will look to other people to affirm whether we should love ourselves or can love ourselves or not. But we got to know in our own hearts, I love myself. You know, we have heard since we were children, love thy neighbor as thyself. <laughs> and we heard the thy neighbor part very loudly. But the thyself part, like this, we can hardly hear it. And then we go through life kind of focusing on that thy neighbor part. Oh, I got to do for this one. I got to do for that one. I got to do. But then we forget about the thyself part, that person in the mirror. And we've got to be able to love ourselves, not in a narcissistic way. You know, a lot of times, and we've spoken about this before, Yolanda, sometimes people confuse self-love with narcissism. It's not the same thing. And Tell them, Dr. Shea, what is it? Help it's, us. It's different. And okay, so even Aristotle, way back in 330 BC, he taught about self-love. And he said that self-loving people are ethical, sacrificial, 
and they're giving people. They want the best for others, but guess what? They want the best for themselves too. That they motivate other people, but they motivate themselves as well. They're self-motivating. They know how to forgive other people. And as moms and as women leaders, oh, we will forgive other people for everything. But then when we mess up ourselves, <clears throat> we will say no. And year after year, we will be unforgiving of ourselves. Well, self-loving people forgive themselves too. And self-loving people know how to embrace healthy relationships with people. They know, and they know when things start getting a little toxic and uncomfortable, they know when and how to pull out. So tell us a little more about self-love. You, you gave a very great introduction. I, I want to hear more. I, and I'm sure the people who are listening, they want to hear more about this. Um, tell us your philosophy a little bit more. And do mm -hmm. you have a process for this self-love and, and how we do it? I do, and, and as a, a leader, um, I had to embrace a process. And I tell other people, embrace a process. So there's, there's three foundational steps that we can do to adopt a mindset, because I believe that when a person wants to thrive in leadership and really and truly motivate people to reach their goals, they have to adopt a mindset of self-love. And I'll say, I've even come up with a definition, my own self, of self-love. So it's self-awareness, it's self-content, it is unconditional love for oneself on steroids, where you are like the strongest person in the room. So how do we get there though? And why, why? Let me, let me backtrack a little bit. My personal journey of leadership started out pretty rocky. I was blessed to accomplish a lot of great things over the decades that mm -hmm. I've been in educational leadership, even earning a doctorate degree in executive educational leadership. But when I first started in leadership, Yolanda, it was turbulent and it was rocky because I didn't love myself as a leader, but I knew I could do better. I knew it in my heart. And I wanted to do better. I wanted to do better for myself. I wanted to do better for the people I was leading. And I started looking around at other people who looked like they were making, they, they made things look easy. They were motivating people kind of seamlessly. And I said, I want that. So, you know, I'm my, the way my brain works, it's like, okay, there's gotta be steps and actions that I have to take in order to get there. I can't just say I want it, I want it and keep praying about it and, and hope for the best. No, I gotta do something. So what do we do? So, okay, I have three foundational steps and I am gonna share those steps with you and with the ladies of the heightening. Okay, hold on, hold on, Dr. Shea. Right now, wherever you are, get paper and pencil. Get something to write this down because Dr. Shea is getting ready to share some valuable information. Okay, Dr. Shea, go. <laughs> okay, okay. So step one, I got actually from the Harvard Business Review. It's a 2018 article. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. Sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves as leaders and we don't show ourselves compassion and empathy. We, we don't encourage ourselves. We're not understanding and forgiving of ourselves. So give yourself a break. 
That's step one. Step two, <laughs> be your own best friend. Mm. Because you're the one person that you can count on to be with you every day, all day. <laughs> and if this pandemic haven't taught us anything. <laughs> okay. So there you, you go. You definitely had to be with yourself. <laughs> right. And, and with that, you need to be loving and caring and virtuous towards yourself because you're with you all the time. Yes. Step three is, and now that step, that step two, um, be your own best friend was from Psychology Today, from an okay. article from 2015. But step three is from a book that I co-wrote in 2015, The DNA of Gutsy Leaders. Keep loving yourself, even when others vacillate between loving and hating, including and isolating you. Because guess what? As leaders, when we're called to lead people, <laughs> folks are gonna change their opinion about us from one day to the next. But that is a part of being leaders. We see it as parents, our kids get mad at us. We see it as the boss lady because our staff gets mad at us sometimes. One day they love us, one day they don't. But we've got to keep loving ourselves and picking up that mirror literally and saying, mirror, mirror on the wall, I love you thyself. Thyself. That, that, that thyself, we've got to keep on doing it. So three steps, give yourself a break, be your own best friend and keep loving yourself even when others don't. Yeah, it is. It is difficult um, to do those three steps, particularly as a black woman in America in leadership. We want to be the wildest dreams of our ancestors. We want that. We want to we want to manifest their prayers. We want them as they are in the celestial skies to say, yes, this is what I sacrifice for. And I think sometimes as black women, we don't know how to do that, those three things. We, we don't know how because we are, we're fighting against stereotypes, we're fighting against our own personal um, thoughts about what success looks like. Mm. So I thank you. I thank you for giving type A personalities, mm -hmm. alpha women, high achievers. Mm -hmm. Those are the women who listen to the heightening. And I, I thank you for giving us a framework to find peace in, on our journey. Amen. Um, you're welcome. And what I say to you and the other women of the heightening is what I said to myself, and I say it every day, Rome wasn't built in a day. Okay, I once heard that the process of building Rome took 1,010,450 days. That is about a thousand years. So mm -hmm. to become a self-loving leader, it's not gonna happen in a day. It's not. but my challenge 
Try it for seven days. Try applying those three foundational steps that I gave for okay. seven days and actually write down and journal what your experiences have been based on the three steps that I gave for those seven days and watch, just keep watching as a healthy self-love mindset starts to develop and emerge. But it is a messy process. I'm going to be very honest with you because during that process, we got to pick up that mirror and sometimes see some pretty ugly things about ourselves and, and be honest and admit them. But that is the beauty of the process because at the end of it, we will pick up that mirror. I guarantee you trust me on this. And we will say, mirror, mirror on the wall, I love you thyself. <laughs> yes, yes, mirror, mirror on the wall, I love you thyself. Sharon, um, you are in a place that is a goal. Um, definitely a goal. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, I, I know, because I know you, um, I know that there's some things that you've gone through with your health and things yeah. like that. Tell us how you are able to arrive at this space um, based on your journey. Oh, that's such a beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you for asking it because I am always so humbled every day when I look in the mirror at this little brown girl who was born and raised in the Red Hook Projects of Brooklyn, New York, who went on to be able to do some pretty great and amazing things and how God is continuing to use me. Um, even though I'm a 60 year old mom and grandma now, I'm still being used by him. But with that, as pleased and happy and excited as God is for my successes, guess what? The enemy is so angry and attacked my health in 2014 and as healthy and fit as I am, I get this phone call from my doctor. Unfortunately, we found something on your mammogram. It was a breast cancer diagnosis, stage one non-aggressive. And I said to the doctor, okay, when do we get it out? Mm. And we scheduled surgery for a week later. She said, are you sure you want to do this? I said, I get, take this stuff out of me. I have too much left in me to mm. do. I cannot have cancer hindering me from doing God's work. Yes, take it out. And so the surgery was successful. I am now, what, six and a half years cancer free, healthy as anything. Um, I teach Zumba. I'm a, certi <laughs> I'm a certified fitness instructor. You know, I eat healthy and everything else. Uh, you know, three years ago, I guess it was three years ago, I had double knee replacement surgery because again, my health got attacked because I, I guess the devil felt if he could slow me down and make it difficult for me to walk in my purpose, that I would somehow sit down and stop. And it slowed me down for a minute. But again, I went to my orthopedic surgeon and I said, fix both of these knees. 
<laughs> do it now, do it at one time so that I can go through my three month healing process. And then I'm walking on free and sure enough, both knees at once, three months of healing and started teaching Zumba a year later. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mm. had double knee replacement at the same time? Correct. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And my doctor said to me that because of the fitness and health condition that I was in, I was healthy enough to do that. He said it is unusual, but I was healthy enough to do it because I had I prepped for the surgery. So it was like I was training for a marathon, walking really slowly around, but walking miles every day so that I could be healthy enough to have this surgery and then heal at a quick rate after the surgery. So you intentionally trained for surgery. Absolutely. And it's just like, we've got to train our brains to love ourselves. I trained my body to be ready to receive the surgery and to not only receive it, but to thrive in the surgery. And they started calling calling me the the golden child. They were like, "This is un, this is not this doesn't happen every day. How'd you do this?" Well, number one, God healed me before the doctor and medical team even operated on me. But I had a mindset that I was going to be able to walk miles. And I said to God, I, I promised God, I said, God, if you bring me through this knee surgery, I promise you that I will walk miles for you and pray while I'm walking every single day. If I can't walk outside, I'll walk around my house. So I'll do 10,000 steps in the house if it's snowing outside and I don't wanna go outside and walk, but I get my walking in. Okay, there is no excuse. There is no excuse for us women to not get our 10,000 steps in the house. Absolutely. There's no excuse. Right. Now, believe me, I'm going to sit here and in honesty, I didn't make excuses. I just said, I'm not going to do it. Okay, there you go. After this conversation, I have to change because there really is no excuse. There's no reason that I cannot make that commitment. I've had a battle, um, a health journey battle, and it, it's all my fault. You know, I don't do the right things. I don't eat the right things. I don't do what I'm supposed to do. And listening to you about intentionality has definitely flipped the script for me. It's it's a switch just clicked. It's like you have to be intentional. You you have to think about it in a different way. And I think what you're talking about, that self-love, maybe I wasn't loving myself. Mm. Oh, but you will now because you're going to start the process. And, you know, we as leaders, we will develop smart goals for our teams and organizations in a minute because we know that smart goals are what's going to allow us to achieve success, whatever success is. But when it comes to ourselves, for some reason, we won't 
use that same mindset and develop smart goals. And so I say that because if we're just starting out with exercise and fitness, <clears throat> don't try to do two hours the first time. Maybe do five minutes. Do that for a while and then it'll become comfortable and then go up to 10 minutes and then 15. And before you know it, you will be walking for an hour and feeling like, oh, I need more. That That's all I did, an hour? Thank Start you. slow. Okay. Rome wasn't built in a day. Remember? 1,010,450 <laughs> days, a thousand years. <laughs> but start it. Yeah, we got to start it. I've, I've had it. starts. I've had starts and I've had stops. Um, but I, I know it's time. It's time to really turn that corner and to do something different. So I thank you. I thank you for sharing that. Um, enough. Uh, let's get off of me. Let's uh, let's go back to um, the book that you wrote. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the DNA of a gutsy leader. Oh, that yeah. amazing title. Where'd you come with? Where did that title come from? We prayed and prayed about just the right title and had um, a lot of conversations and went through iterations of, I don't know, maybe 50 different title possibilities. But then at the end of the day, we realized that we were talking about something that is in us. It's in our DNA to be gutsy as leaders. It is in our DNA. We have the potential to do that. Sometimes we don't tap into that potential, but then we have it. And there are some people who tap into that gutsy DNA of leadership and they have some common traits. And we found that when we interviewed them for the book that, you know, they're motivators. So Yolanda, you're a motivator. They're self-aware. Yolanda, you're self-aware. They're inclusive. That's you too right? And they're people developers. They really do want to develop people and bring out the best in them. They want the best for others and they want the best for themselves, remember. And, and so that makes you a self-loving leader too, Yolanda. But wow. the DNA of gutsy leaders, we decided to interview some, some leaders, modern day, still alive leaders, and say, how did you do what you do? And what, what, what led you to it? And you know, one of the interesting things was every one of the people we interviewed sat back in their seat and said, why have you come to me? So there was this sense of humility about gutsy leaders too, that they don't see in themselves what others see in them. Others see them as this great and powerful leader and they're so humble that they don't sometimes see that about themselves. And then when they hear it, it's kind of like, oh my God, are they talking about me? <laughs> it's like when you were giving my introduction, I, I sat back in my chair. I'm like, oh my God, to hear it is like, wow, wow. How could I not have loved myself if I was able to do all of that? But anyway, um, we are here now. We are um, here now. That's right. We are here now. And this is where we go from. This is where we move forward from. But the book is something that um, I recommend. We recommend to, to people, leaders of all ages to read. We've gotten some great feedback about it, too, because it is it is to the heart, heartfelt, heartfelt 
um, narratives from people about where they started. And like my leadership start was rocky, they're honest about, you know, when things didn't go well, and then also about when they achieve successes. And they give some good information in the books. Just reading their stories um, will bless people. So I recommend it. It's on Amazon, The DNA of Gutsy Leaders. And I recommend that everybody who is a leader, which is all of us, um, you know, get a copy of it and, and let it bless you. That is amazing. So the, the full title of the book is The DNA of Gutsy Leaders. I'm made for this moment. Absolutely. We yes. got to seize our moments because we're made for it. God crafted us and created us to be made for the very moment that we're in. So we have to stop lying to ourselves and telling ourselves that we're not ready. That, oh, no, I don't have what it takes we're made for it. And so that subtitle, oh my goodness, we must have gone through hundreds of different iterations. And we said, no, we've got to remind people that you're made for it. You have what it takes right now to move forward. Doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect because self-loving leaders don't strive for perfection. We strive for permanency. Okay. Wait, stop, stop. Say that again. Self-loving leaders don't strive for perfection. We strive for permanency. And it's the intentionality that we keep doing it over and over that it becomes permanent. And it's not going to be perfect. And, and trust me, the people who we lead will let us know it's not perfect. So we might as well admit to ourselves that it is not perfect. Okay, ladies of the heightening, I hope you caught that. And I don't know what that means to you, how that, how you're receiving that. But I really, if, if you receive something with that, the self-loving leader does not strive for perfection. They strive for permanence. I want you to send us an email. Um, you can send it to hello at the heightening.com. If you're a member of our closed Facebook group, please share what that means to you, because that is. That is a point of transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So it's it's a point of liberation, too, mm. because when I finally was able to embrace that truth, that is when I started to thrive, because for the longest time, everything just had to be perfect. It had to look perfect. It had to sound perfect. It had to be perfect but it wasn't. There were flaws in everything because in our human essence, there's going to be flaws in us and, and what we do. So when we begin to eliminate that false idea that we are supposed to be perfect as leaders, then we can say, I'm not going to be perfect, but I am going to be competent. I'm going to be credible. I'm going to be strong. I will know what I know and know what I don't know, what I need to learn. Then I can move forward in intentionality and say, I'm going to permanently impact you with my leadership and influence you in a positive way. So Dr. Shea has just told us another way that we can live that authentic 
intentional and empowered life, which is the goal of the women at the heightening. Dr. Shay, I so appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate you sharing with us your three foundational truths for self-love. I appreciate you sharing us, sharing with us the DNA of gutsy leaders I made for this moment. Yes. Um, you have so much to share. You have so much to give to women. Um, what's next? How, if somebody wanted to get more information or partner with you or get information, what, what, what would they do? Mm -hmm. So I am on social media. I'm on LinkedIn and people can look me up there, Dr. Shea Biggs and connect with me. I would love to have that happen. I'm also on Instagram, Doc Shea Biggs. Uh, but my email address, I, I'm more than happy to give that to people because I would love to hear from folks too and to maybe have some partnerships like the one we're having right now in this wonderful conversation. And my email address is Biggs, the number one, at gmail.com. And you spell Dr. Shea, D-R-S-H-A-Y-B-I-G-G-S, the number one, at gmail.com. Correct. And one other thing, I also have a YouTube channel. So feel free to find me at Dr. Sharon Biggs on YouTube because I share some leadership nuggets there. Um, my channel is called Over the Years, an Educational Leaders Outlook. And um, hopefully I'll get some more of you to subscribe and comment on the, the videos that I post there. Ladies of the Heightening, you heard it here. All of this information will be available on our website as well as on our Instagram account. Dr. Shea, thank you so much. We truly appreciate you being here and giving us additional tools for our toolkit to live that authentic, intentional, and empowered life. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you for the work that you're doing because this is empowering work and you are influencing lives in ways that you may never even realize. So keep doing what you're doing. I'm Proud gonna answer the call. I'm gonna answer the call. Yes, we do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit us at www.theheightening.com.